Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Amen. If you brought your Bibles or you can access one on your phone or something, if you can read it, turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 34. Exodus 34. I've never seen the Rocky Mountains up close and personal, flown over them a few times, I guess, but I'm familiar with the Smoky Mountains, North Carolina and Tennessee, and they're called Smoky for a reason, that the fog and the steam that comes up off the trees and the land sort of veils the entire landscape there in fog or smoke, so you call it the Great Smoky Mountains. You can ride down the road, you can ride around a mountain and not see a mountain peak, or you may not see the valley below because of a dense fog, a cloud that covers it. Until the fog dissipates, the smoke rolls away, and then the beauty of the mountain is revealed, the beauty of the valley beneath is revealed. In much the same way as we come to Christmas, we're talking about an unveiling, a revealing, something that has been hidden is being removed, and we're able to see clearly what has been behind it the whole time. When we come to the birth of Christ, as we lit the Christ candle tonight, we're seeing an unveiling, a revealing of God's plan that he foretold through the prophets from the very beginning, as he announced it at Mary, and then Joseph, and through the angels to the shepherds, this is the one who is coming. This is the unveiling that I've been speaking of. But the Bible is replete with these visuals of veils or walls and curtains, and one such veil appears to us in Exodus. And I bet you it's not the veil that you're thinking of in the tabernacle or the temple. Look at Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 29. When Moses came down from the mountain, Mount Sinai, with two tablets of the testimony in his hand, As he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin on his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. And whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he had removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Now, this is building on top of a story that has been coming for several chapters previous 
In Exodus 19, the people of Israel, now released from Egypt, freed from bondage, they're here at the base of Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, and God descended on the mountain with his glory. And at the peak of Mount Sinai, we see clouds and thick darkness and fire, and there's earthquakes. And it's a similar story because when God descends on Sinai in Exodus 19, the people fear for their lives. They're afraid. When they hear God's voice, even from the base of the mountain, it sounds like the rushing of many waters or the blasting of many trumpets. And they beg Moses to speak to them, but please tell God to stop speaking because it's terrifying. In Exodus 20 through 31, Moses now at the peak of Sinai with God in his glory receives the law, the Ten Commandments, the construction of the tabernacle, how Israel is to be governed Now, it's interesting that the pinnacle of this story comes in Exodus chapter 32. We have the people at Sinai, Moses up on the mountain receiving the law, and as he's there in Exodus 32, we go back down to see how the people of Israel are doing, and they're not doing so well. They're tired of Moses being up on the mountain. He's been there nearly 40 days. They need a leader. They want to see where they're going. They want to know what they're doing. And so they say, hey, Aaron, won't you come over here and make us a God that we may serve him and worship him? So you know the story, Aaron crafts them a golden calf and they worship the golden calf. This is our God. This is the one we're going to follow. As a punishment in Exodus 33, God says, I tell you what, Moses, y'all can go on into the promised land. Go on in and take the land, but I'm not going to go with you. I'll send my angels with you. I'll make sure you take the land I promised you, but I'm not going. My presence and my power will not go with you. And the people refused to go. Unless God goes with us, we don't want to go. And Moses goes back to the Lord as an intercessor, a mediator in the presence of God and pleads with God to relent of this punishment and to go with his people into the promised land. And as Moses is interceding, he asks God an audacious question. Let me see your glory. Show me your glory. God says, if you saw my glory, Moses, you would die. No man can stand in my presence and live. But I tell you what, in Exodus 34, God says, here's how we're going to do this. I'll put you in the cleft between two rocks. I'll cover you with my hand. And I'll cause my goodness and my glory to pass by. And you'll only see the backside of my glory as it passes by. But that will be enough, Moses. Sure enough, God's glory comes down. Moses is hidden. Moses is veiled. And he sees God's glory go by. And then we come to this part of Exodus 34, when because of even seeing the backside of God's glory as it left him, Moses' face was shining. And not metaphorically, as we would say, a pregnant lady is beaming with joy or whatever they they mean by that. They they say, people are beaming today. You look like you're radiant. No, he was literally shining like the sun, it said, and the people were afraid. They had been afraid when God descended on Sinai. Now they're afraid to look at the face of Moses because his face had been affected by his presence in the glory of God. The people respond in fear, and they cannot begin to even understand what's going on here. So they construct this veil to cover Moses' face. Moses, you go up. You hear what God has to say to us. When you come down, put the veil on your face, because this right here is freaking us out. 
The Old Testament is filled with veils and partitions and walls and divisions. If you think of the construction of the tabernacle and later the temple, you have the outer court and then the holy place and the most holy place, all separated by a wall or two veils or the thick veil that led into the most holy place. Because the people, while they were invited to come to God, were only invited to come on God's terms. They can't just rush themselves into God's presence. They must come with a sacrifice. They must come covered with the blood. They must come with the priest. They must come as God has told them to come. And that's what these veils represent. Not a way of keeping people away from God, but a sign that God wants his people near him but he must separate his holiness from their sinfulness for their own protection. And this veil that is constructed on Moses' face is much the same. It terrifies the people, and they put a covering on it to not be scared of Moses' face. There's something different about Moses' face and Moses' veil. Moses was absorbing the glory of God as he was in his presence. And that was what was reflecting or radiating from Moses as he went down and talked to the people. As their intercessor, as their mediator, Moses could stand in the presence of God and could behold God, speak to him face face to face, as the Bible says, as a friend spoke with a friend, with his face uncovered. There's something different about this than the holy of holies or the holy place or the partition between the court of the Gentiles and the court of the Jews and the temple. Moses could go into God's presence and open the veil. Wouldn't it be awesome, like Moses, to behold the glory of God? Would that all of our prayers would be answered when we say, God, show us your glory To stand in God's presence and God's glory with an unveiled face so that we shine with the very glory and light of God. Wouldn't that be something? You say, yeah, that sounds like something, Pastor, but what does any of this have to do with Christmas? This is not a Christmas sermon. And I would say, yes, it is. Because right here in Moses, in this mountain, in this veil The giving of the law, the glory of God shining, is the Christmas story. Because as the Apostle John reminds us in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word who was with God and who was God in John 1, 14 He says, and the word, that word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And do you know the next part? And we have seen his glory. Do you see that? Here is the word of God and the word from God and the word who was God manifesting the glory of God to sinful humanity. And the apostle says, with all of us who know Jesus, and we have seen it, we have seen the glory of God. Christmas is about the unveiling of the glory of God. Just as that fog would remove itself from the mountain or from the valley, and you would behold that beauty for the first time. In the morning, many of our children will open presents, and just as you open up that bag or open up the wrapping paper, something is revealed There's no clouds here. 
There's no thick darkness. There's no lightning. There's no fire. There's just a baby laying in a manger. And yet this is that kind of unveiling. The wrapping paper pulled away. The fog lifted as we see the word made flesh in Jesus Christ. Moses stood in the presence and the glory of God. Jesus is the presence and the glory of God. Moses was called up into the glory alone while the people of Israel were relegated to the base. Jesus, who is very God of very God, descends to dwell with us and we see his glory. Moses interceded for the people as a flawed, sinful intercessor that needed forgiveness himself. Jesus intercedes for us as the perfect God-man who lives forever and ever. Moses received God's law on two tablets of stone. Jesus fulfills God's law and writes it on our hearts by the person of the Holy Spirit. Moses spoke with God for the people and spoke to the people for God. But Jesus is the word of God made flesh come to live with us as God with us. Moses constructed a veil to go into the tabernacle. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us Jesus' own flesh was the veil that was torn apart so that we might enter into the presence of God. And so the good news of the gospel is that there are no more veils, no more walls, no more curtains, no more divisions, but the presence of the glory of God revealed to us, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, in the face of Jesus Christ. The face. Paul doesn't use that on accident. Think about Moses standing before the face of God His face shining like the sun. And Paul says we've seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But there's better news here. Not just that Jesus unveils God's glory to us. Not just that he shows God's glory to us or just is here with us. As Moses would have to go back and forth to God, to the people, to God, to the people, to God, to the people. Jesus takes us with him. Moses was up and down, up and down. Jesus descends so that we might ascend with him. Listen to these two verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul kind of brings all this to a conclusion with Moses and the veil and Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 12. Since we have a hope We are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. So Paul says we're not like that. We're bold. We're bold to enter into the presence of God, and we are not like Moses who needed this veil to hide himself. What does he say in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18? And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this is from the Lord, 
who is the Spirit. This is better news. This is a better deal than Moses with his veiling and his unveiling and the curtains and the walls and the separation. This is a better deal for Israel who was relegated to the base as God's glory descended and they dare not come near because in Christ we go with him and through him and in him by the power of the Holy Spirit to stare into the very face of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Be reminded this Christmas of what this is all about. More than the trappings, which I love. More than the food, which I love. More, somebody's laughing. More than the music, which I love. More than the fun and the presence and the warmth. All of these are good, holy gifts, but they're just secondary glories to the one glory that we see in the presence of God through Jesus Christ, who is God with us, so that we may be with God. Do you understand that 2,000 years later, on this side of the cross and the resurrection, we see what Israel and Moses only longed to see? Because we see the glory of God in its fullness in Christ. And we stand before him, all of us, with unveiled face, looking into the beauty and the presence of God by the blood of his son and the power of his spirit. So we'll sing tonight, silent night, holy night, son of God, love's pure light, Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. We close with this. God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to light my candle by the center white candle which we lit tonight after the reading of the birth of Christ. Of course, this represents what we've been waiting on all through the Advent season. That Christ is coming. That he was promised through the prophets. And that he came in Bethlehem. But I hope you understand tonight, as we are still technically in this season of Advent, that this is not a story for people a long time ago who were waiting on Jesus to come then. This is a story for us tonight who are still yet waiting on Jesus to come again. And just as they waited on the Messiah to bring love and hope and joy and peace, we are waiting on him to bring that final day when at last we stand literally, physically, in our glorified bodies, in the very glory of God, with an unveiled face, forever and ever. May the lighting of our candles tonight remind us of that, the humble light that was born in the manger, and the light that is coming to break the darkness forever. Thanks for listening. 
For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.